and welcome to the Declare Conference podcast. Declare is a blogging conference for Christian women coming up this July 28th through 30th in Dallas, Texas. The goal of Declare is to gather women who share a desire to use their God-giving giftings to point to Jesus. The theme of this year is presence. The verse it's based on is from Hebrews 10, which says, Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts fully trusting Him. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Ladies, if you come to Declare this year, I promise you'll connect with other women just like you. You'll be equipped with the latest in blogging and social media, and more importantly, you'll be encouraged and inspired as you draw near to God. Let's go ahead and listen to this week's guest. Welcome back, guys. Today I'm talking with Jessie Kirkland. She is a marketing and literary agent with the Blythe Daniel Agency. She acquires fiction and nonfiction writers and has a strong command for helping authors with book development. She thinks outside the box as a marketer, and her experience as a business owner has helped her coach authors and brand themselves more effectively. When she's not helping authors write their books, she writes at her own website, jessiekirkland.com, about faith, family, culture, and all things Southern. You're going to love this interview. We talk about her biannual phone call blitz that's coming up this next week. If you're interested in asking questions to an agent, this is your chance. She details what an agent actually does for a writer and what to do if your book pitch gets rejected. Before we get started, though, I wanted to introduce you to this week's sponsor, which is the Christmas Star from Afar. It's a game that celebrates the true meaning of Christmas. This family tradition creates a hide-and-seek journey through the home similar to the journey the three wise men took to find baby Jesus. Learn more about Star from Afar at Declare this year, or go to starfromafar.com. Let's jump into this week's interview. Hi, Jesse. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Hi, Emily. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Will you please tell us who you are exactly? Yes. So um, I'm Jesse Kirkland with the Blythe Daniel Agency. I'm a literary and marketing agent. I've been with Blythe and her agency for about four years. Okay. I'm from Texas. Oh, you're from Texas. Where Do you live there now? Uh, yes. So um, a lot of people get confused. Our agency's in Colorado Springs, which is where Blythe is. And I live in Texas. It's just the two of us. Um, and then we have Stephanie um, Alton, who runs our Blogspot network. Okay. The three of us, rather, um, the two agents. And... Um, yeah, I've been with Blythe for the last four, a little over four years. Um, I actually met Blythe at a conference. Uh, for years, I wanted to be a writer, so I was going to writers' conferences and ended up crossing paths with her. Okay, um, I have these two book apps, um, The Lonely Stable and The Sounds of Night, that are children's stories in the app store. Okay, And I had taken those, and I was just looking for some advice. Like, I didn't know what to do with them. I thought, well, if I'd if I did them as apps and their book apps for ages three to seven, would could I flip them like a house to a publisher? Um, you know, what could I do with those? And I was really seeking advice. So I started going to writers' conferences. I met Blythe, talked with her. Um, and I guess the rest is history. We both uh, were mothers of multiples. She has uh, twins and a seven or eight-year-old. Um, mm-hmm. And I have triplets that are 10. Okay. And so we we hit it off personally and ended up doing some publicity together. And then eventually she made me an agent. So I consider it a divine, the first of many divine appointments. That's really great. Now, what what type of product projects do you guys work on together? You know, we have different tastes. Uh, we I represent fiction and nonfiction and some book to film projects. 
um, and she represents um, nonfiction only. So um, if you're a fiction writer, then you automatically kind of have to come to me because she doesn't rep fiction. Um, okay. But we, yeah, we, you know, have our different interests. Um, when I think of her list, I kind of tend to think of pastors and politics and um, bloggers. Um, my list, I represent, you know, um, not that she doesn't, but um, I represent a lot of mom bloggers. I represent a lot of fiction. My uh, my list is pretty much split down the middle, fiction and nonfiction. And okay. um, what I've done over the last couple of years is trying to build my fiction side. Um, you know, I don't necessarily only represent faith-based. Um, if it's a story, um, I mostly work with Christians who are writers. They aren't always Christians writing just Christian fiction on the Christian side mm -hmm. or on the fiction side. Um, but as far as nonfiction goes, um, I work with mostly nonfiction um, writers writing in the Christian book market. Um, plus, I have some uh, cookbook food writers in there. And, you know, we just try to work with people, I don't know, people that think like us and um, are writing things that are clean, if that makes sense. Right. Yes. So what what's your favorite part about being an agent? I, I think I'm a pretty decent story doctor. So I always kind of have a policy for myself. I don't sign someone um, a project, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, if I don't think I can help the story and help kind of shape it and give them advice um, and that kind of thing. I mm -hmm. like being a part of other people's stories. I, I feel like, you know, some people have, um, you know, stories that are sad and stories that, you know, for the most part, if people are seeking publication, then they usually have a story that has changed them in some way. And mm -hmm. I like being a part of those stories. I like being a part of the process. You know, I know what my strengths and weaknesses are as an agent. Um, you know, I have a degree in communications and marketing. So I feel like, you know, story development is something that I'm good at. Um, mm -hmm. Ideas, brainstorming. Um, I'm a good brainstormer and can usually help uh, writers kind of come out of whatever hole that they've been in with their story. Okay. Um, and I'm decent at marketing. So is that something an agent does? I think if somebody thinks, I'd love to write a book, but what? why do I need an agent? So you help them with the story? Is that a normal thing an agent does? You know, every agency is different. I, I do think our agency is more the exception than the rule in that we, we're a boutique agency. So we, um, Blythe, I know she says kind of all the times, we're able to go deeper with our clients. We have a smaller client list. Mm -hmm. So um, whereas I, we both rep around 50 people. And um, some agencies, an agent might rep 100 people. Mm. Um, you know, the traditional role of an agent, I mean, the most basic thing is to acquire stories that you feel like you can sell. And then to sell those stories, place them, you know, kind of, I, I consider it kind of, it's kind of matchmaking. Okay. In my real life, I like to be a matchmaker. And I've realized that it, it's the same with my job. It's like matchmaking the story and the writer with the publisher. Our job as agents is to acquire and then place that with a house that fits the most appropriately. And then once we do that, to walk those people through the contract phase. A lot of agents at that point are kind of out. And that's not wrong. I mean, I think the... What uh, any kind of writer needs to know is simply what they need as a writer. If your agent that you're going to sign with or you're looking at 
if that's who they are, there's nothing wrong with that. That is the traditional role of an agent. But if you need more or you're expecting more, then you Mm -hmm. need to know kind of how far the different agencies go. Um, Mm -hmm. Our agency, for instance, I mean, usually when I sign someone, you know, Blythe and I do a lot of kind of before we pitch, like some people will come with a proposal in hand and sample chapters. Okay. And if the proposal is ready and has everything in it, then you know, okay, that's easy. We'll take that. And then we pitch that out to all the different houses. You know, Mm -hmm. some people will come with an idea and then we usually will give them uh, an example of a proposal that we have permission to share in-house only to them and say, well, this is what you need. This is the document that goes into the pub board meetings on your behalf. And so sometimes, I mean, I'm editing proposals a lot. I'm editing sample chapters a lot just to get people to the point where they're ready to pitch. Mm -hmm. We want to invest in the people that we that we sign. We, we there's a large investment on the front end that comes with that, and we know that you know if someone comes and the proposal's not perfect or the sample chapters aren't perfect, we're going to help them so that we give them the best shot to get their contract. Because then everybody wins. Yeah, and then and then after the fact, like let's say we've pitched someone, then we'll you know have a waiting period. Then let's say they get a they get an offer, we go through the contract phase. Um, We started this past year, um, I just had a fiction author um, actually launch, and, um, you know, we don't take on anything we don't think we could service, but for instance, he hired us actually to go through his manuscript. Um, He paid us basically for social media hours, Um, Mm -hmm. so we've kind of started offering where people can buy hours from us, so he bought a certain number of hours per month, and... I read through his novel, pulled out about 90 pull quotes from the novel. Then we started putting them on graphics, and then we set them up to be tweeted out. So we're kind of running his social media for a specific window of time. So we we do some marketing. uh, We do some social media. um, You know, I do phone consultations um, here and there. I'm getting ready um, to do my second round of those. I do them twice a year. Yeah, tell me about that. You said that it's called a biannual phone call blitz. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) made up term. Um, Yeah, you know, back when I had first met Blythe, um, and this kind of wraps into kind of the whole how I was an agent. I was actually a business owner. I sold promotional products business to business for a franchise right out of college. And then when I ended up getting pregnant with um, my kids, I ended up having to go on bed rest and um, really just threw all my money into a bank account and was like, okay, I'm not going to be able to have a job. Like, what am I going to do? Okay. And um, after that, I ended up going into business for myself. I stayed home for two years, I ended up going into business for myself, owning the same type of company that I had worked for. I did that for almost three years. And I really, I always wanted to be a writer. And I really just felt like God was um, kind of calling me out of that. So when I met Blythe, I had been going to writers' conferences, and I was just really desperate for someone to answer my questions. I didn't know if I needed an agent. I knew I had created these book app projects, which were kind of offbeat from traditional publishing. I mean, at that time, people... There was... uh, The Berenstein Bear um, apps didn't even exist. Um, People really just tinkering with eBooks. I needed someone to answer my question. So I always said, once I found Blythe and, you know, kind of started learning and then became an agent, I've had a policy that I might not be supposed to be their agent. We might not be the right fit, but if I can help answer questions for other people to kind of send them along their way, 
Mm-hmm. That's what I want to do. So twice a That's year, great. I take a week. Um, they're not free calls. They're 50 bucks for a half hour. And I'll answer any question. You know, some people have story holes. You know, they're like, I have this plot point I can't get past. And I'm, you know, been struggling with it for six weeks. Um, other people are like, just tell me about publishing A to Z. You know, what if I want to be a writer? Um, I have had some really interesting things always come out of these weeks where I do these phone consults. Um, you know, I, I do them. The last set I did in October, I did it for a week in October. Um, and then it's time to do them again um, next week. And um, so, yeah, I've, I've had some really cool things happen. I had a girl come to me in October and she was like, I have this really cool story about a horse. And she was like, but I, you know, I've kind of got this draft and I have all these questions. And so I helped her in the phone consult, ended up signing her. Um, cool. It's not really the point of the week and the phone consults. It's, a, it's I don't always sign people out of it, but there usually is someone that I'm like, okay, you're ready and I'd like to work with you. So sometimes mm-hmm. that does benefit people when they take a call. Yeah. Um, but she got her questions answered and we ended up working together and I just sold her book uh, rights to um, Tyndale. And cool. um, I also have optioned her horse story off to to be filmed. So wow. really cool things. can that was ha- a good move for her. <laughs> it was, well, and I was so grateful. I was like, thank you so much for taking the phone consult. <laughs> yeah. Because you just, you never know what will come of it, but... From my perspective, you know, I can't answer everyone's questions. I, I feel bad. I, I'll have people message me on Facebook and be like, hey, do you think that you could give just give me some real quick advice? And, you know, we're hesitant as, as agents. Like, we don't want to give people advice um, that's, that's wrong or, you know, if they're ever in another agent relationship, like, that is not, we're not going to do that. Like, I cannot advise someone you know, with someone else. But if someone doesn't have representation and they just have questions, then I set aside these two weeks out of the year to answer them. You know, it helps me. It pays me, you know, money too and uh, for my time. But um, I know I can't answer everyone that pings me on social media. So this kind of gives those people a window to do it actually for yeah. to get the questions answered. So that's so good. Cause I know if you're, if you're just starting out, you really don't even know where to start. So it's yeah. a great thing that you do to help people. So, yeah. And I, I feel I, I always just needed my questions answered. And I always would say to myself, if someone would just answer this one question, then I think I could be on my way. So mm-hmm. hopefully that's what people get out of the phone consults. And you also told me about a, a blog series that you do. Tell me yeah. about that. Yeah, so um, I did the, um, I don't know if you've ever participated in the Write 31 Days. Uh, I did, yes. Okay, so um, my assistant kept encouraging. She's like, you really should participate. I was like, well, I don't know really what I should, you know, what what do I write about? And she's like, well, you know, why don't you just write about, you know, something relative to agenting? And I thought, you know, um, the most common questions I think people ask, ask me and they ask my clients, um, if I ever say, well, what are people asking you? Then it's just pretty much how to get an agent. So mm-hmm. I did a 31 day series back in October, um, called 31 ways to snag an agent. And, okay. you know, I found, I think it's been pretty helpful to people. I have people still emailing and saying, you know, I just found it, you know, or I read it over coffee and, 
you know, again, it's just hopefully giving them a, a kind of a behind the scenes look at how to get an agent, how to keep one. You know, I think a lot of how to get an agent, you know, if I could give one tip from that series, mm-hmm. um, it has to do with timing okay. um, and really catching us like, for instance, okay, so Declare Conference is coming up at the end of the month. So right now what I'm doing with my time doesn't have to do with acquisitions. But once I get close to declare, it's like I flip my brain and go, okay, who am I going to acquire? Okay. In between conferences. So for me, right now, I think I have about 45 active clients. So in between conferences, I'm servicing them. And so it's like in between the conferences, most of the time, agents are just looking like managing their list. But then Mm. we get to conferences and it's like, okay, we want to sign people. That's what we came. I mean, that's the main reason that an agent goes to a conference is to sign and get new writers. It's true. But I think the feeling on the other side is they don't (laughs) want any of us. I don't know. I don't want to have a book, but that's just what I've heard around the water cooler. Yeah, I think the water (laughs) agents have horrible reps around around the water cooler. I think. <laughs> like, and I, I think that I, I have worked hard. Like, I don't want anyone to feel bad about pursuing a dream. Like no mm. one should ever feel bad for pursuing a dream. I think that people get derailed by other stories from other people and what they've heard other agents say to their writer friends. I'll give you an example. Um, and if, if this poor woman is listening, I just want to say, I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so this is an example. So this is how an agent gets a bad reputation. The other day, I'm running around town. I have my cell phone, of course, but I'm not at my computer. I, I don't get on Facebook mobile like a lot of people. I kind of check things and check messages. I rarely respond to messages unless I'm in front of my desktop. And it's just kind of my habit, I guess. And it's just harder. And if I'm running around, I'm running around. So someone messages me the other day and says something like, so-and-so, which was someone I knew, said you'd read my chapters and give me advice. And so I wasn't trying to be mean, but I thought, oh, I need to answer this person. Well, I never do that. So I shot off kind of a message and said, agents don't do that for people they don't rep. Okay, yeah. And then I noticed that the person never responded back. (laughs) Mm. And I thought, let me go back and read what I said. And I realized, like, if I'd have been on the receiving end, it came across very harsh. And it wasn't what, I wasn't trying to be harsh, but it's paper. What I meant to say is that, not that agents don't do that necessarily, but that we can't do that with our time for free. And if I would have had more time, I would have said, but hey, I do these phone consults. And if you're interested, cool. You know, but, you know, I think that a lot of times, you know, there's a lot of bad water cooler (laughs) press (laughs) when it comes to agents. And I think, you know, just we don't have a lot of time. We're busy like everybody else. And, you know, yet at a conference, I mean, I've heard those stories too, where people are like, so-and-so said this, I'm never pitching again. Mm. And I always just say, people pitch to me all the time that have been burned by someone else, and I might even sign them. So, you know, don't let an encounter with one agent ruin your dream at publication. I think you should, I think on the flip side of that, people should listen You know, if you're pitching um, to a lot of different agents, for instance, Mm -hmm. and you keep getting the same feedback that the writing is not ready Mm -hmm. or that the voice is not, you know, or the hook is not there, whatever the response is, if you've heard it several times, then you need to take that seriously. Mm. If, If one agent says no and you don't feel like they gave you time, they may not have given you time. You know, like I said, everyone's brain, we have task in front of us. 
And I know that there's been times that are much better than others to approach me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not a personal thing. It's just the way our calendars are, the demand on our desk. And every agent I know, I mean, I don't think I could say that there's any agent that I would say, whoa, stay away from them. You know, like everyone's good at different things. Their personalities are different, however. And, you know, I am Southern and I'm talkative and some people might love that in an agent. And then other people might be like, no, that is not going to be for my personality. Mm -hmm. And I think when it is, again, kind of bringing back that matchmaking term, like what do you need in an agent? Um, You know, what are the services that you need? What kind of personality do you need? All of that kind of makes up like what you will pursue and who you might say yes to and no to. Um, if they offer you and you get multiple offers. So, yeah, well, that's so helpful. And I think that you seem really nice. So I don't think people oh. need to be afraid of you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, well, I will spread uh, the word around the water. Yeah. Cooler. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, you know, and, and yet, you know, I've also found that also can be kind of my downfall is I, I try to be kind to everyone. I don't want people to feel uncomfortable, but I have had people think that I'm going to sign them because I was nice to them at dinner. Okay. And that's like the opposite extreme of we all still have to look and evaluate your project. And I mean, the last thing an agent wants to do is sign you because you're nice (laughs) and then have you mad at us because we couldn't place your project because we signed you too early or, um, you know, and I, I have signed some people too early because I didn't want someone, if I've ever done that, it's because I didn't want someone else to have them because I, mm. I thought, well, this person's going to do something and it's going to be a good book and they're good people and I want to work with them, you know, but as far as, yeah, being overly nice, I think has given people the impression sometimes that I'm, it's an automatic yes. And I still have to evaluate everyone from a business perspective, even if I love them and would like to have coffee every day and be the friend. <laughs> it's got to be hard because for you, it's business. And for them, it's like business, but it's also their heart, you know? Well, and it's the same for us. I mean, an agent doesn't get, a lot, a lot of people think that agents, I guess, maybe get paid in a different way than we do. So we don't get paid until we sell you. So you know, the average, you know, probably wait time, you know, six to 12 months is pretty much a normal contract window. So I may work with a client for six months and answer the phone and do the proposal edits and help them get to just a place where I can pitch them confidently. Mm -hmm. And yet I'm not going to see money. I'll see 15% agents make 15% of the advance and 15% of the royalties. So let's say that I sell you and you get no advance. Well, if that happens, then we have to wait for the book to come out and earn royalties. So Mm. I might not be seeing a paycheck and neither would the author, but we may not be seeing a paycheck for 18 months. Mm. We do invest in people. We have to know we can sell them even if we like them as people. And, you know, that's kind of where the big platform word comes in that everyone despises. Yeah. Tell me about that. How big does your platform have to be? Yeah. What's um, the magic number? I'm sure yeah, I didn't ask you I that. Think, yeah, the answer, which I hate, is that there really isn't a magic number. Okay. Um, what I do have a what I consider a rule. Um, so for instance, if someone is small platform, um, I can sell someone small platform with a big story. Okay. Um, so you know, I just kind of evaluate like, is the story big? Is it really unique? Um 
I sold someone um, to um, Tyndale last year who didn't have a huge platform, but their story, like I could think back into, you know, years in the past and all my circling in the publishing industry and think, I don't know anybody with a story like this. Okay. And I think if I can say that to myself and the platform is small, then I can probably sell them. If the story could be written by somebody else, you know, if it's like some kind of, you know, nonfiction Christian living marriage book, Mm -hmm. then I might be able to look at that and be like, well, if their platform is large and I consider large, I mean, I hate to give a number, but I just want to give a range. Like if you're a blogger, then I would say when you get over 300,000 hits a month on your blog, Mm-hmm. then I think a publisher will turn their head. They still might even want you bigger, depending on your other numbers. I mean, everyone's on so many different forms of social media mm-hmm. that I feel like, you know, it's not just about the blog hits. I think when people cross the 10,000 likes on Facebook, I consider that to be big. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when people write something that might not be quite as unique, but their platform is large, then I might be able to sell that. I mean... You know, I think all around you want the writing to be unique, the style of how the person writes, what their writing voice is. Mm-hmm. You want their concept to be unique um, and something that someone has not done before or that you're doing it at a different angle. And you want their platform to be big in a, you know, in a perfect world. But, you know, I've sold over the last couple of years. Um, I've only had probably a handful of people that I would say, yeah, they're really big. Um, And yet I've still sold. There's only one project over the last couple of years that I have not sold. Okay. So if you can keep all of that in mind, then you'll know that most of my clients have been either medium, even several small, and some that had platforms that were pretty non-existent, but they had big stories. And that to me is the difference in how do I sell the small platform person. Um, It's getting harder. Publishers want you to be They want you to be big. They need the help. It's so noisy. They need the help selling books, and they want that built-in community. Mm, Yeah. So we just try to evaluate it, and, you know, I've taken risk on people that I say, hey, this is worth risking it on you. This is worth trying. And if they say no, then they're just going to say no, and we will always know that we tried but it's okay. not going to be because you didn't have representation, you know? Yeah, that's great. Sounds so, like an exciting job. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it has its challenges. I mean, um, scheduling is a challenge. You know, working from home in general has its its own challenges. Right, for sure. But, you know, I was talking to another agent the other day and, um, you know, for fiction writers in the Christian market, this has been a really rough two years. Okay. And, you know, she's like, I'm supplementing my income. You know, she had gotten a side job and she's like, I know I could go off and do something else. She's like, but I just really, really love this job. And I said, Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, I know. I said, I know that I could go and get a much easier paycheck, but I don't want to. And I don't think that God has told me to do different. One thing that he is kind of changing in how I work. So I am split fiction and nonfiction. And a lot of the fiction that I've signed does have good film potential. So I've been kind of growing that side, trying to um, option something off to Hallmark last year, Hallmark Hall of Fame, just trying to flip some of my fiction over to film. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like this horse story, for instance, that's been optioned, 
you know, I feel like God is giving me a lot of favor in that, I don't know, that area, which is still stories, you know, but it's mm-hmm. not just books. And, That's great. you know, I don't know what he's up to, but I just know he's up to something. So, um, yeah, it's a fun job. And I, I think it's where I'm supposed to be. And I, I wouldn't have it any different unless he tells me otherwise. So, and that's, that's where you want to live your life, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's so good. So you go as part of your job to a lot of conferences. Yeah. And so I wanted to ask for someone who isn't sure, like, is this the conference for them? Why do you, why do you come to Declare? Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Declare is, is one of my, it is my favorite nonfiction conference. Okay. I like Declare. Well, first of all, I've gotten to know um, the Declare team over the last couple of years. Um, I had met Kristen Lemus at, um, I guess that was Blistem. Blistem, maybe? Okay. I can't, re- I can't even remember. I think we were at Blistem. And I just remember going going to Blistem and being like, I thought I was supposed to be here, but I don't know why I came. It was up to like the last night. Strangely enough, I had seen Declare. It, I don't know if it was even, I think it had just been renamed Declare Conference. Okay. I had been online Googling and stumbled across it, saw that Mary DeMuth um, and Jeff Goins were speaking. And I was like, how am I from Texas? And this is something happening in Texas that's Christian bloggers, and I've, I don't know about it. Right, okay. And I have been trying to figure out who's putting this conference on and how could I go. And I literally end up in line with Chris, with Kristen at Blistem on the last night with like, and this was like, this wasn't just the last night. This was like a 10 o'clock social mixer or something or other that they were doing, pajama party, I think it was. Okay. And... You know, anyway, we ended up at the same table. We started talking, and she ends up telling me that they um, had been to a loom and that they run this small conference. And I was like, wait a minute. I was like, you're not talking about Declare, are you? And she's like, yes, I am. And um, I just felt like, again, it's one of those divine appointments. But I think what I've enjoyed so much about Declare, unfortunately, a lot of times we're Christians, we're telling our stories, we're speaking, we're writing, yet there can be sometimes a lot of competitiveness. Mm. That's pretty unhealthy. And um, I mean, I've seen it in the way people often pitch to me. Um, I've seen it. I see it at every single conference. I feel like, and I'm not saying that it's not at Declare, but I don't feel it there. Mm, That's so good. Like, I don't feel that, oh my gosh, like these people to jump ahead are, are just not being themselves. Like, Mm -hmm. I just feel like I have heard from God myself. Um, you know, they've been gracious to me and um, allowed me to come as an agent. I have met, you know, some of the hardest working writers that I have on my list. I met at Declare and signed them there. Mm. Um, I love that. That's such a high compliment. You know what I mean? To the leadership. I cannot say enough. You know, last year I didn't get to go. They had cut their numbers and um, they, they didn't, weren't able to have me. And I was like, oh my gosh, if I'd have known, I'd have gotten a ticket, but then it was sold out. Mm. <laughs> I was like, I can't go. I feel lost. What do I do? <laughs> um, but they're, um, you know, they were very gracious and um, they're having me there this year. And then they're having my boss, Blythe, um, who just got, uh, she got agent of the year at Blue Ridge Conference. And oh, wow. you know, I told her, wow, that's way overdue. I mean, I've, I felt like she's always been agent of the year in my book, but I'm glad oh. people to have known that and will have recognized her as that. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I can't say enough good things about the team, what they put into it. I feel like the conference itself, um, 
you know, you will feel included. You won't feel, even if you have to come alone, you won't feel like you're leaving alone. Right. Yeah. I think they run a seamless conference. I mean, I know they've put an entire year's worth of work into it. You know, it's usually, I don't know, there's just no bumps on our end as an attendee and as an agent, there's mm-hmm. not bumps on our, you can't, if they are, if they are behind the scenes, we don't know about it. So yeah. it's a lovely time. I love it. So good. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for sharing your heart with us. And I know that there's a lot of people who are really excited to meet you here in the next couple months. I know. Thank you. Well, I appreciate your time and I can't wait to see them. Um, one last thing. If, yeah. they, if they're going to, um, I don't know how they're doing the appointments this year, but um, you know, if you have a proposal and sample chapters, bring those in one document. But if you don't, you know, and you just feel like you're way you know, you're not that far in the steps for how you want to, you know, do you want to write a book? Should you write a book? Then, you know, you can just come and talk to us and get advice. I mean, you know, there's, we usually do 15 minute, 10 or 15 minute appointments at Declare. Um, I don't know what they'll have set this year and, you know, sit with us at dinner, sit with us at lunch. That's why we're there is to answer your questions, to talk to you and to make those connections. So, you know, don't think, oh, well, I'm not going to talk to her. I'm not going to bother her because someone's going to get in line and it might as well be them. So good point. That's so good. Well, we can't wait to see you. Okay. Thank you, Emily. I appreciate it. All right. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Wasn't that great? There will be much, much more goodness just like that at the Declare Conference this year. To find out more and to buy your ticket, go to declareconference.com. Can't wait to see you in July.